at the same time, there are many different kinds of cancers in our life. And that goes into, this is what I propose in the book, is a, a redefining what cancer is, that it's the job that you absolutely hate. It is the poor relationships that we allow into our lives. It's the negative thoughts that we filter into our brains day in, day out. Um, those are all the bad, poor eating choices, especially in my you know, you can't starve and you can't throw up and expect that your body's going to be in this tip-top health. So it's all of those combined together as different cancers that then can manifest into the physical disease itself. That's my philosophy and thinking behind what living cancer-free is and starting to move out from that. Part of living free, taking the cancer part out, is having 100% responsibility for your life. And it's really being the CEO of your own life. So that's at its core, that's what living free is. So when we can start to take responsibility for the cancers we're allowing, we can also take them out. That's Sarah Kirikoni, and I'm Brian Falchuk. The Do A Day Podcast. Will you hear from the most inspiring people who have been through hard times, overcome them, and have turned around to help others with what they've learned. I'm your host, Brian Falchuk. I know because I've lived it myself. I've written about it in my book, Do A Day, and that's why I'm bringing you this show. Remember, today's a new day. Go out and do it. Hey, day doers. Welcome to another episode of the Do A Day podcast. My guest today is such a spot-on fit for the show, right? Because she's been through it, found out how to do things differently, lives her life differently, and is actively teaching others to do the same. It's Sarah Kirikoni. Sarah is the author of this new book called Living Cancer Free. She calls herself the Live Free Warrior. And she's all about how to free yourself from the cancers of life. So her book is not just about her own battle with cancer. When she was 19, she was diagnosed. And she's now 15 years um, being dubbed cancer-free. So she's a survivor of cancer herself. But there's so many other cancers that we have in our lives and Sarah has figured out the mentality, the mindset, the approach to try to be free of all that and live the life you actually choose to live. So she has these manifestos. She has these five pillars. She teaches all of it in the book. And the book is similar to Do a Day in the sense that it's her autobiography, the story of her struggles piece by piece with not just cancer, but alcohol addiction. She had eating disorder issues, starting with anorexia and then bulimia and you know a lot of self-image issues and the struggle between who we are inside who we're trying to become and who we think we need to be for others to like us um, so it's just it's an incredible journey that she's been on yoga was a big transformative force in her life but it really was a gateway to her learning even more about herself and the path to caring about yourself and taking a different approach to everything um just a great conversation that we had, and she's an incredible, incredible person. Um, she has, uh, you know, she's battled all these things, but she's also achieved a lot. So she has a background in graphic design and art, and she was really successful in the uh, the design world. She has been incredibly successful as a yoga instructor and health coach. Um, so she's been featured in all kinds of really, you know, like big places to be featured in that world, like Mind Body Green. Um, but she was also the resident, I know I'm probably going to get this wrong, but like the resident, um, I don't know if it's like health instructor or resident um, fitness person, but you know, you go to hotels and there's a channel that you can turn to and their weird hotel TV system that's like, you know, the, the fitness channel. Sarah was the yoga person for a couple of hotels, which is, I think it's just super cool. Um, being a fitness buff myself, like I actually watch those channels a little bit. I haven't seen hers, but um, I think that's pretty cool. Uh, she's also an ambassador for a number of amazing brands like Manduka Yoga, Puma. Um, she's done work with the North Face, Zico Coconut Water, and uh, just a, a number of, of really interesting things that she's gotten to be a part of. Um, so you may recognize her anyway. But it's her story, and it's her lessons, and it's the struggles she's been through that is why she's such a great fit for this show. So um, we're going to dig right in. It starts in her early years. It's intense stuff. She's been through a lot. She tells it really beautifully, but she is so good at pulling out the why behind all of it, and that's really the path. So you know that that's going to resonate with me. I'm so, so thankful 
to have connected with Sarah and to be able to share her story with all of you. So let's dig in with Sarah Kirikoni. Sarah Kirikoni, thank you so much for joining me today. My absolute pleasure. It's a honor and thrill to be here. I um so I, you you don't know this about me, but I, I have to share. I've got this little mantra I've been telling people: like if you don't have what you want or you don't have what you wish you had, you should just ask for it because the worst case that happens is you still just don't have it, and best case scenario is you get it. And it's just a question of whether you want to look at yourself and be like, oh wow, they said no, I'm terrible, or what are they going to think of me, or like it's all the ego kind of stuff at at risk, and it's your choice whether those are an actual loss. So asking you to be on the show. Um, you know, I've been watching you on Instagram for a while, loving your posts, taking inspiration from it. And I was like, you know what? Like, I'm just going to ask her. And, uh, you came right back and said, yes. Yeah. So like, you're, you're more proof positive that my little mantra, my philosophy is, uh, is worth following. hundred percent. Something I say in my book is it's actually a Wayne Gretzky quote and you only miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. So very keep true. taking them. <laughs> he's, he's the source of like every major brilliant sports related quote, like skate to where the puck will be, all that kind of stuff. He's awesome. Yeah. Um, so we're not going to talk about Wayne Gretzky too much, but I do want to get into your story and, and there's no way around the book that, so this is coming out December 4th. Your book's coming out December 1st. So everyone can get it as soon as they hear this, but take us through who you are, like what brought you to this point where you have this incredible lesson for people to take forward and transform how they're living? It's, it's a long story so much that it took me almost 200 pages to write it. But, uh, a, it's a lot of what you were saying. You, you only miss how many shots you're not taking, but there's also a lot of, in order to grow and to learn and to grow higher, you also need to fall a lot of times. And looking at a lot of the success stories of entrepreneurs, of, uh, successful business, uh, owners and people that there's been a lot of falls that we don't always see behind. Yes. That's really what this book shows. People will see now like this girl who's on the cover and this is who she is, but when you go into the pages and even on the back uh the back cover, the behind the scenes, there's a uh, I started the book out when I was 14. Of course, you know, life happens when you're much younger and I won't get into too much of my childhood, but at 14 was when I really started to disassociate with who I was as a a person. I got really lost thinking that I had to be this fit in person with everyone else around me. Mm. Well, when you have an, an intuition of who you are and you're also trying to form yourself into what you think you need to be, that creates a lot of separation between someone. I started to control a lot of that through an eating disorder which later led to alcohol because you can only take so much. Like I, I had more of an addictive personality yeah. and I in some ways still do today. It's something I take note on every action that I make, but it's the, uh, trying to control. So after a while, I got really tired of controlling. That's where insert alcohol that just like frees you up and yeah. lets you be. So I got mixed in with alcohol and going off to college, uh, the first time. And it didn't go so well. You yeah. know, you, you win some, you lose some. And this one, I really, I ended up failing, like really not doing well. And I dropped out, went back home. Go ahead. I was just going to ask you, it, it's kind of stepping back for a second, but when you talked about coming to grips with who you are or starting to understand who you are starting at 14 or thereabouts, right? Like strange years, teenage years, we start to understand or, or stop understanding what we thought we were. And this other person is starting to emerge. And yet you're also creating someone else externally to fit in, to be liked, to be whatever. Were those two things at odds? Massively. And I really think it was, a, it was like a trifecta. It was who I was, who I was potentially becoming and who I thought I had to be. Mm. So that created complete separation of this little kid who still wanted to play and be light, but then this adult that I needed to become and, oh, all the people I was around were doing these other things, be it um, sexual, be it drinking, be it being cool and being wanted to be liked, which on a human level, we all want to be liked sure. and accepted and loved. And I wasn't feeling that from myself. Like the, now as an adult, I know that love has to come first for me yeah. and then I can start to seek it from outside. So that's been a 
that's one of the lessons that I learned along the way. But absolutely, there was a big separation between those three. And that's what started to cause a lot of the, uh, the rift between where I started to open up mind and body, like it started to separate oh. and created the space where the eating disorder started to really dig its roots. And that became a coping mechanism for my lack of ability to, uh, I won't say control my emotions, but allow my emotions to ex- be expressed or to be. Mm. I am really a believer and not everybody believes this one, but that when it comes to either substances, and I can only speak to alcohol in my own personal case, but also for eating disorders, it comes down to the emotional aspect of it and how we're using these tools, be it they're good tools or not so good tools, to cope and deal and sometimes numb out what we can't physically feel or allow ourselves to feel. So were you doing that? I'm I'm really curious, that disconnect. Is it was it a fear thing that someone would discover who you are? Was it, was it like shame? Like what kind of, what kind of feelings did you have about who you actually were inside? Great question. I think at the the height of it, I would say is judgment. We, you know, and it's, it's interesting that I chose a career as an artist because you are constantly judged and being yeah. in the spotlight in social media, well, and you're and putting video. Like, your thoughts and feelings <laughs> out in your work. I'm a big, like yes. what you're trying to stifle at the same time. One of my uh, later lessons is if I have a fear, it's better to face it head on. And I think that's a lot what this book is. I think that's a lot what social media is for me is just facing the fears of I'm going to be judged. Some are going to like, some are not going to like. Yeah. And I'm going to be okay with that. So that's been a big facing fear. At the time of 14, 15, yeah. I couldn't do that. Right. I was not able to tangibly even know what the emotion was of, I feel judged or I feel, I don't know another word to describe it when I really, I wanted to be that playful child. Cause I really, I, I loved like middle school was cool. I mean, there was like, you know, there was some things of like, Oh, so-and-so said this. And there was a little bit of gossip here and there, but it was really, it was more playful. I remember doing gymnastics in my parents' basement in middle school. And then you get to high school and it's, what spot do you have your car? Yeah. Where's your car parked? Oh, who are you hanging out this weekend? Did you get invited to the party? And it's like, all of a sudden it's this levels of, are you cool enough? Are you liked enough? Are you the popular one? Um, are you having sex yet? It's like a lot of different expectations, I think of being in certain grades and of a certain age that you need to meet in order for people to like you. And Mm -hmm. it doesn't, the high school scene is very interesting in and in and of itself. And I'm sure there are plenty of psychological descriptors on it. I say in some parts that this book living cancer free is the modern day catcher in the rye, because I think a lot of us in the United States, uh, grew up having to read that in high school. And it was the teenage angst. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of that in what I experienced and what I more so illustrated in the book because I talk through diaries. I'm going back and referencing my old diaries, wow. things that I wrote, things that I was jotting down, numbers of how many calories I ate in a day, what I was feeling, a lot of uh, real, honest bits of information. And I wanted to incorporate a lot of that to reach out to if there is another teenager who's reading it, or if it's a parent to help them understand what the teenager's going through. Because I know that whether it was 15 years ago or whether it is a year ago, high school's still the same kind of stuff. Totally. So yeah. it's, there's, you can relate in any way. Yeah. Now amplified probably because of social media. Yeah. But. Yeah. I mean, cyberbullying wasn't an issue when we were growing up. So true. Yeah. So true. There's plenty of other bullying, but it's <laughs> a, like it chases you around. You can't run into your room and escape. The screen's yeah. going to light up and tell you that someone's ripping on you. Yes. A little notification buttons, right. which psychologically is, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So, so that led into eating, drinking, eating before drinking. Yes. W- did the two coexist? At certain times in my life? Absolutely. It started with anorexia, then transformed into bulimia. Mm. And then it was, I was in high school and I was still living in my parents' house. So there is this safety that I wasn't drinking as much as I later did in my life. When I 
In between there, I, that's when I was diagnosed with cancer. So after I left um, the university, I was at Northeastern University in Boston the first first go around, and I ended up leaving, going back to my parents' house. Well, it's a design of fate in the universe because that was also when I went to the doctor, was diagnosed with cancer. There was a massive lump in my neck. And I was like, you need to go get this checked out now. And as soon as the doctor saw me, she sent me right away to Yale New Haven Hospital for a CAT scan and biopsy. She's like, we, you need to get this checked out. Were you like so 19? Exactly. Exactly. Oh I was 19. So at 19, you have your, your pediatrician telling you, you need to go to the hospital right away and get this. And I was like, do you want to share any of this with me? And of course, by doctoral uh, legal, they can't say anything. They can't yeah. really say much. So you're left with these big, giant question marks. Uh, I was, and that's when I went to Yale New Haven. Uh, my father took me and getting the diagnosis a couple of days later. So you have that like suspense period. Yeah. <laughs> it's terrible. Yeah. And you get the call and it's like, we have your results. Please come in. And it's like, oh, just kill me now on the floor. Really? Yeah. So, was anyone so like 19 year olds don't get cancer? Or was there, did they never have that hesitation? Because you do hear that they're like, oh, well, it's not going to be this, or they don't take it seriously enough. There is, um, it depends on the kind of cancers. Uh, Hodgkin's lymphoma is what I was diagnosed with, oh. which happens to affect teenagers and older adults. It's when there's a suppressed immune system. There's not specific whys. It's partially genetic, where we all have cancer genes yeah. within us, but what activates it is individualistic. So- there's, I won't give away too many spoilers because I say what I think was yeah. the cause uh, in the end. But um, at the same time, there are many different kinds of cancers in our life. And yeah. that goes into, this is what I propose in the book, is a, a redefining what cancer is. That it's the job that you absolutely hate. It is the poor relationships that we allow into our lives. It's the negative thoughts that we filter into our brains day in, day out. Um, those are all the bad, poor eating choices, especially in my, you know, you can't starve and you can't throw up and expect that your body's going to be in yeah. this tip top health. So it's all of those combined together as different cancers that then can manifest into the physical disease itself. That's my philosophy and thinking behind what living cancer free is and starting to move out from that. So you're, uh, you're, you're, I'm um, not to jump in or jump ahead, but like, I just assumed when I first saw the book title, this is about, you know, overcoming the physical medical diagnosis of cancer. You're talking much more broadly. You're talking about life as a whole and having the cancers in our lives free, like not, not there anymore. A hundred percent. Yes. I love that. Yes. And I think that makes it relatable. We fear as a society, cancer is the number seven, the seventh uh, most feared word. I recently read that or heard it in one of a podcast and I was like, whoa, I believe it because who, who, you know, isn't afraid of getting can't, no one yeah, wants the C that. word. Exactly. Oh, that's that's C another, word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's, that's another, um, phrase that I use a lot and it's called the big C, which I'll later get into, which is the opening of chapter three or the part three of the book. Um, when you're fearing something, you know, that you can also drive in. So, the idea that we have also 95% chance to remove or to uh, not involve cancers into our lives, right? So 5 to 10%, I'll back up for a minute, 5 to 10% of cancers are genetic. That leaves that there's 90 to 95% chance that we can take underneath it's our own weight. in some way. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So within the book itself, I found it to be much more relatable to not just talk about the cancer diagnosis, but also everything encompassing around what may have led up to. Yeah. Part of living free, taking the cancer part out, is having 100% responsibility for your life. And it's really being the CEO of your own life. So that's at its core, that's what living free is. So when we can start to take responsibility for the cancers we're allowing, we can also take them out. Yeah. I love that, taking 100% responsibility for your life. That's Everyone needs to be doing that. Agree. Agree. Yeah. Okay. So cancer diagnosis. Yes. Rapid turnaround of like, get her into the hospital. Do So, so what do they do when, when you get the diagnosis that it is in fact cancer? 
They bring you into this little white room. It's freezing cold. Uh, it was myself and my immediate family that was there. So my parents and my brother and the oncologist at the time. And she is just starts talking. And the first words are, you have cancer. And she started with a few words after that. But I think as, a, as human beings, yeah. we protect ourselves. So at that point, my ears just closed. Right. It was like, blah, blah, blah. It was like hearing just like, you know, Snoopy in the yeah, background. Yeah. So it was a year of, I would say, 10 months to be exact of chemotherapy radiation treatment that followed. I went through the whole regime. Chip and surgery. Uh, the only surgery I had was for biopsy and for a pick line that was inserted into my arm. Okay. So you'll see some... Uh, pictures where I have a tattoo on my inner yeah, right arm. I was going to ask you about that. Uh-huh. That's the, that means sankalpa and translates loosely into determination, purpose, or will. Nice. Now, the pick line was there on my arm and it goes, what a pick line is, is it's an easier way to distribute the chemotherapy directly into the bloodstream without having to put an IV into every time that you're going. Uh, catheters and ports are another way that they do it, but they chose a pick line for me for, I don't know specifically why they chose that, but so it went from my arm straight to my heart. So the tattoo symbolizing staying determined, staying within my own purpose and will is also staying true to my heart. And then keep thriving, keep thriving. And it was connected to your heart. Absolutely. Yes. That's beautiful. Okay. So we're, we're like flying through 10 months that had to be excruciating. Like it, was it was it what you hear about with chemo? You know, the hardest part reading back through my diaries for this time was less about the cancer and less about the treatment, but more how entangled I still was with an eating disorder. Hmm. So there's there's a couple really true, real and honest scenarios that I describe in the book. And it's when I was reading back through it, it's like how even when I was hospitalized for something, I was still making my way to the bathroom to find a way to throw up. When you're in the hospital, yeah. trying to recover from an infection that was in my arm from the pick line. So it's how certain cancers can really take hold of your life even more than the physical disease itself. Yeah. So I think the biggest part for me was like, wow, this, this is really a broken girl that can't even see the potential to rebuild her health at this point. So I get a lot of people who will ask me after, you must have found yoga when you were going through cancer. And I was like, that's a beautiful story, but it was not my life. (laughs) (laughs) And it wasn't until I was still going to the gym and trying to burn off calories. Like even when I was going through treatment, I still tried to keep as normal of a life as possible. Yeah. Meaning I was working part-time at my parents' store. I was, as long as I could, I was going to the gym when I felt up to it and I could, uh, which when you have an eating disorder, you can push yourself further than you really think yeah, you're capable you to. Yeah. And I was also going to local, uh, I was going to a university at the time for classes part-time, which was, knowledge has always been one of my fuels in life. And I think it is for all of us as humans. And it was important for me to still stay on task with learning that mentally help to ground me. And so I was trying to stay as normal as possible. But I also walk, I remember walking up to all of my professors before the uh, semester started. And I said, I have this going, I am a cancer patient, I'm going through diagnosis, and you just see their jaw drop immediately. And you're like, I'm okay. So you need to reassure them. And I'm like, I'm going to do my absolute best. If there's a time I can't make it to class, I'm going to let you know as soon as possible. Thank you in advance for understanding. And if you're a professor, it's so interesting to me that, um, your story is so full of these juxtapositions. Um, I should get points for using a word like that. Um, <laughs> these like, but you know, like early on with, with the, the, who you are and the, who you feel you need to be externally. Um, you know, going through this tremendously difficult journey to fight the cancer and also still battling your demons around eating and and burning off the calories. And as someone who, um, part of my weight loss journey includes bulimia through purging through exercise, not through throwing up. Um, I get that. Like 
it doesn't matter what else is happening. You know, if it's like the end of the day, it's late at night and you still haven't worked out, you're like, stay away from me. I'm a monster. Like it, it burns you inside. Um, but then to also feel like you should go and take classes and pursue knowledge, like that's a really beautiful self-empowering kind of thing. So it's so interesting to me to hear, like, it's like the, the real you was still trying to be like, remember me, I still matter. I, I, still want better despite these demons that i'm fighting externally the physical and the emotional and you know the eating and were you were you still drinking then or i was technically not allowed to drink there was one or two occasions where i did anyway um that's that was sarah's way of like i'm gonna do what i want to do but but alcohol wasn't like a live not not until after okay no but have you thought about that the fact that like despite what you were going through physically and, and the way you're still battering yourself and you also pursue this thing that's really like self-empowering and beautiful. I, I hear you. And I think it's part of what developed into who I am today as live free warrior, because there's certain things you need to fight for. And there's certain things you need to be a little softer on. It's the balance of the, the masculine, feminine, um, the difference of energies. And I think it's a part of what also gave me a little bit of light Mm. and also knowing those things about myself now gives me insight to what I need to have in my life, what I need to add more of to keep that, uh, that yearning and that hope alive, you know? That's really cool. Okay. So you're through the treatment, still doing school. Where do you go from here? After there's a, there's a thing that happens after you are done with treatment and you're now in remission and technically cancer free. That's, you know, people have different, uh, timelines when they say that they are now cancer free. For me, it was after the last day of treatment. I was like, now officially I am cancer free and in remission. There's something beautiful and freeing about that because clearly no one likes to be poked with needles and have all that um, poisons going through you. At the same time, there's this calm after the storm and you're kind of uh, left in a PTSD of what the heck just happened. Yeah. My uh, coping during the cancer and part of it probably was using the eating disorder as well was to just go through the motions deal with the emotions later and just keep moving forward. Okay. I have this checklist of doing chemotherapy this day, radiation after this, go to the doctors for follow-ups. I do great with order and checklists, like neat freak to the T when I'm given a set of guidelines to follow, I can just go through the check boxes and that's in some ways for better or for worse, how I in the moment treated going through cancer. The aftermath of course is when it hit me like a ton of bricks yeah. because I didn't deal with it. And that's what came up the years later of like, what the heck just happened? There's this pause after treatment and you are left in this limbo of what do I do now? I felt this freedom that I was done and I was cancer free. I still had the burden of the eating disorder and I felt another burden that I had to do something extraordinary in my life because I was given a second chance to not die from cancer. So there was once again, the, the big word that you use, the juxtaposition, where I was this inner turmoil of who I need to be, who I really am, and who I'm working myself to be better to become. Mm. Uh, so after the cancer, there was just this pause of what do I do now? I knew I wanted to go back to school and university and prove to myself that I could do it. So I re-enrolled back in Boston after about a year because I still needed to be close for follow-up treatments for the following year. And when I was ready to, you know, clearance, you need just an annual checkup. I went back to Boston. I went to Suffolk University and New England School of Art and Design, and I enrolled there. uh, And I went back to school full time. I was still struggling with an eating disorder, and that's where I started to get heavily into alcohol again. And that's where addictions really play with one another. So it was the days I wasn't drinking, I was acting on the eating disorder. Mm -hmm. The day I wasn't acting on the eating disorder, I kicked up drinking. So it was switching one for the other. 
uh, just to not really deal with what was in front of me, the emotions, the feeling, be it cancer, be it just learning and dealing with who I am myself. That's when things got really mushy in, in that respect. Um, you also feel like after going through cancer, it's like you feel this guilt to then be doing this self-harm to yourself when you got pissed off, you got really mad at the cancer because you, you didn't want, you know, why is this cancer coming into my life? But at the same time, you're also inviting these other cancers into yeah. your life. It's, it's so interesting to me how much this whole experience contributed to the way that you live now. Cause it, I think some people can look at, you know, perfection on social media or like they have a blissful life or whatever, and just think like, Oh, they had it easy. Actually, I think it's, it has to be the opposite. It's very rare that you find someone who truly has no, you know, no backstory, no reason why their life is the way it is right now. And it's never the way you think it is, but if not for the backstory, you don't really know the lessons to make that better life today. Yeah, for sure. It's the, it reminds me of the, um, the iceberg metaphor. You see the the tip, but there's so much more underneath yeah. the water that is just not even exposed. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, maybe we should jump a little bit ahead and and understand the today of it because there's, you know, there, there's there's so much that led to like this completely different life from what you were describing. Because you are you're free of this torment. And that, I mean, I don't know another word to use for it. That's just what it feels like is like whether at the, the hands of the cancer, which is like something foreign in your body doing it to you or your own decisions and actions that are tormenting you and the, the reasons why you're taking those decisions and actions. For sure. And you touched on something in the beginning about the big C. And so part of what there's part of the redefining of cancer that I propose is there is the big C known as cancer, but there's also the big C as the power of choice. So the minute that we start to choose the life that we want, we take responsibility for the life that we're choosing. There's nobody else to blame. Mm. The quote that I've been using lately in my salutation, in my emails is be the CEO of your own life. When you're calling the shots, when you're making all the calls, you can't blame anybody, but yourself. And when you can be okay with that and let it empower you, that's the biggest difference, not guilting yourself, not feeling bad about yourself, yeah. but let it empower you to say, okay, I chose this and this didn't work. Let me choose something better or different, or at least learned from in the past to move forward. That's a big part of what I employ every day of my life now. Yeah, I'm all about just trying and falling, trying and falling, trying and falling, and hopefully trying and trying and getting up <laughs> a little yeah. bit higher each time. Yeah. And I mean, that, that idea that like, you're the one responsible for it. That uh, scares the crap out of people. But that's yeah. the point is like, okay, you can be scared, but you can still do it. And at some point you start to get comfortable with it. And maybe it's the fear is because you don't believe in yourself enough to think you deserve to be that CEO or like you should be the one calling the shots and you actually have the ability to get yourself back up if you do fall. That Definitely. all scares people. But yeah, you're to blame if you were in charge and you fall down. It's, I believe you, and you touch a great point because I believe that people fear it because that means they need to be responsible. Yeah. Thinking about how often people will, uh, be in pain. They want the doctor to give them the pill. They are, and this is something, um, you know, we see a lot of times and people are overweight. They want the pill or they want the quick surgery that's yeah. going to make it better. I live in Miami. I don't even have to go there about what kind of plastic surgery is available for every little imperfection you wake up and see in the mirror. So there's a lot of quick fixes and band-aids for things. And I think that that's the easier way that people see out the part that takes the work that can last long term. That's the part of self-responsibility. And that is the part that I, I am really passionate to inspire people to take, to be warriors, to be courageous, that you're not alone in it, but it's important to make that commitment to yourself to at least take that step. And no matter how many falls down to get back up and just try the same, a little different. Mm. So where, where did this inspiration, the, the enlightenment, if you want to call it that, where did that start to come into your story? That is the, um, the, 
after cancer's death. So I call there's the first two parts of the book. Uh, and I'm not a practicing Catholic, but it always stuck in me of BC and AD. So the before cancer is like the, the first testimonial. That's the fall. Yeah. And the downhill of where things really started to pull apart, like I said. The second part is after cancer's death. So after cancer happened, then I started to get a little more, it was still stumbles along the way, but it was finding Sarah, finding Sarah. And sometimes you hit this bumpy gravel road for a while when you're finding yourself. Uh, eventually, you find a little bit smoother of a path, hopefully. And in my case, that was when I started to practice yoga. It was by chance that I could no longer afford to go in and out of the city to go to the gym that I was going to at the time when I was laid off from my job in advertising because the downfall of the market in 2008. And I had to find another way to exercise and at the time to burn off calories because that's what I did. And I was still focused on what can I control? What can I control? And I came across yoga and it was the first time that I started to let myself feel. And it's something feeling and uh, be it emotion, be it physical, being it uh, feeling my own body. It was the first time that I started to allow myself to let that part come to to life and Mm. to light. And it took a lot of time because the first time I tried yoga, I absolutely hated it. I was like, this is boring. Can I go back to my elliptical machine? I don't know how many calories I'm burning in this class. I need to know now. And it was, it took multiple tries of practicing yoga to finally find a teacher, uh, that I actually connected with. Um, if you're someone out there who is kind of heard of the yoga thing or stretching or whatever you want to call it, and you don't like it, I would encourage you to, to, Try a couple more. Um, it's like finding the right diet for yourself. And I don't like the word diet, but finding the right food regime yeah. that works for you. I think it's the same thing as finding the right fitness or movement um, practice that works for you. I like that. It's, it's like anything, uh, you know, the right doctor or the right whatever. Like if you don't feel comfortable with them or you're not feeling good about what they're doing, whether you've connected the dots that it just might be their style. I'm just yeah. surprised you stuck with it because a lot of people, especially when it comes to fitness kind of things, a lot of people give up if they don't like the first thing. Um, I wonder if actually your eating disorder, weight management kind of stuff is part of what kept you in the game because you don't quit on the physical stuff because you got to keep working your body some way. That's the part that challenged me and you you hit it spot on. What kept me going back to yoga was it challenged me physically in ways that I hadn't been challenged before. I grew up always as an athlete playing softball and volleyball. And pretty much if you gave me a ball, I could figure out how to play the sport in, you know, a couple hours. I was really athletic as a child and I still am to this day. Uh, But what kept me with yoga was it challenged me in different ways because it was challenging myself. Mm. It was seeing what my body was now capable to do like arm balances fascinated me when I first started yoga. I was like, whoa, I could float on my hands. That's really cool. And I encourage people as well. And I say, you know, if yoga is a physical thing for you, that's okay because that's where I started too. And it doesn't have to be all about the mindset. You know, the, the sometimes it's the body that gets you there. Sometimes it's the mind that takes you there. And I think it's whatever gets you onto a path that is healing then that's cool too. You can make your own path. Eventually it'll start to balance its way out. And that's what has done a big switch for me when it stopped being about the postures and it started being more about the feeling and the mind connection. How long did it take for that? Ooh, I'd have to, I would say at least like three or four years. Okay. Three or four years to, yeah. 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 For it to really start to sink in where I started to say, I want to choose something better. I want to start healing myself. I want to eat in order to thrive, but there was ups and downs. And, uh, this is where, when you haven't fully, fully dealt with situations that when you, something comes up and you go back to habit and pattern. So when I divorced and I was back on my own again in Miami, I started to fall back into some of my eating disordered habits Mm. Drinking on and off, but it's really hard to drink and then wake up at 6 a.m. to go teach a yoga class. So that kind of kept my my butt straight in that manner. But as far as with an eating disorder, it went up and down based on 
how I needed to cope with something. Yeah. And that's, that's a big revelation that, that hit a point for me where I was like, this is coming up again. Now we need to really deal. Mm. And that's where I am in this present day that I started creating what living free is. I started to create the live free manifesto and it's 14 different short phrases that I hold myself to and live by. Um, a couple of them are never settle, quality over quantity. You have the power to choose any life that you desire. Uh, those are just a few of them, but it's really holding myself accountable to live my life that way in each and every day. If I don't like it, once again, it goes back to there's nobody else to put the blame on but myself. You're not getting any argument from me. Awesome. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and I, the fact that it's, it's a, a single day based idea, like that always resonates with me. Um, because we can, we can spend our whole day judging ourselves for everything we've done before or fearing everything that we may have to do tomorrow or whether we'll be able to or whatever. And it's like, well, all you've done is just given up today. And that's all of your possibility. All of your opportunity has just vanished because you were so stuck on how terrible you were or will be or could be, you know, and it's, it's just a waste. So I love the, the present moment, purpose, ownership, power of it. That's awesome. It's uh, what you're describing. It's uh, and maybe you agree that you've, you've seen or experienced that it's a lot of fear based fearing the future and anxiety or uh, fearing the past to fail. And I hear and see that a lot with other people in conversations like, okay, well, you can keep living in that past moment if you want, because that was your success time. Or you can think of what you learned along the way and how you're going to apply that in the future, because that's really the only moment that you can go to, you can go back to. Yeah. And then the only moment really, not to be too yoga care, but the only moment we really have is today, now. and That's just factual. And now, and like now. It, yeah. yeah. Like people feel like, oh, that's too like hippie or whatever. It's like, yeah, because like <laughs> Buddha said it, you know, it's always only today. Yeah, but that's also the fact. Like yeah. it is always only today. So that's your choice, whether, you know, that other C word, um, whether you want to live that way or not. So. All right. So yoga transform your life. We were saying, uh, we were talking about MC Yogi before we started recording. And that's yeah. his story too, is like, I don't know if you've looked at his backstory. Um, a little bit, a little bit. He, like yoga just completely reframed his entire existence and, uh, and obviously led to his music career. And, and he wouldn't be a yoga teacher if not for yoga, obviously. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was, you know, like in, in and out of group homes and messed up with the law, like his story today is not what his story was before, if not for yoga. Like he wouldn't, he wouldn't exist. Um, and I wouldn't have listened to anything in the car this morning, which would have been a bummer. <laughs> so the power of yoga. All right. So that starts to transform your life, starts to open you up. After a few years, you start to see a path to desiring better for yourself, which I think is a really cool way to think about it. And that's when I started to choose and I started to say, I want something better. And whether this, this doesn't work for everybody, but it worked for me that I, I stopped drinking like just like that because I said, I want something better. Yeah. Uh, I want to choose something better for me. The difference with alcohol and food is you can cut out alcohol yep. and that's, that's something, you know, tangible. You can do that. And, uh, food, you can't do that because that's the first disorder that I started with. Yeah. So it's, um, it's creating a balance and it goes back to how I was able to, I will say heal or learn to cope and deal with both of those addictions because it goes back to the emotion and it goes back to the control or management of. So today I can pick up a glass of vodka and happily drink one glass. In the past, it was half the bottle. And it, I know that for some people it works better to overcome alcoholism by abstaining completely. I found greater success for me personally by learning the why behind I was drinking mm. and then creating a healthier relationship with it. The same that I had to do with food. I think I overlap both of those, um, both of those lessons. Uh, when I started to get more into yoga, it of course has evolved over the years. I was in graphic design at the time. I found another job and I remember sitting in my chair and I was cross-legged and my boss looks over at me and she's like, so you started this yoga training thing. Are you going to leave me to start teaching yoga? And I was like, no way, no, but it stuck. 
And so I did eventually start teaching yoga. I left design. I left corporate world. And I wanted to live a life that I was more uh, passionate about preaching and teaching. So I started teaching yoga. I was teaching. Uh, I just stopped teaching yoga about last year because I started to lose connection with my why with it. Mm. I personally, I stopped practicing. Um, and that's a big red light to me, like when I or a big sign when I stopped doing something because it no longer became about uh, something that healed me. It became about a lot of giving. Mm. And that's where in the past year I started to do more content creation, doing more coaching, the writing of my book, and eventually uh, leading to more speaking opportunities. So a lot of parallels to what you're doing yourself. Yeah. Uh, I'm walking uh, behind in your footsteps there. So <laughs> they're so, admirable ones. <laughs> cool. No, I, I there's um, whatever. I mean, we both get it. I know some people get scared with public speaking to me. They're like fear or oh. no fear. There's something about watching people come alive when you're sharing what you care about. Um, I still have yet to do an event where someone isn't in tears coming up to see me afterward. Uh, and that like people are like, Oh my God, what do you do? It must be so hard. I'm like, I like, that's the greatest thing I could ask for. Like to know that you had that level of effect on someone. Um, that's the whole point. You know, I don't really care about anything else. So if I get nervous going on stage, which luckily I don't, but if I did, it's worth it. You know, there's, there's too much to give. It's the, it's the biggest pay I bet. And there's, there's nothing like having someone come up to you. And like you said, seeing people come alive, I started to realize that that was my favorite part of teaching yoga. Yeah. It was being in front of the class and giving a message. It really didn't have anything to do with the postures themselves. It was really the little messages that I stuck into the class. Yeah, because that's that what people... changes the life. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And that's what evokes the tears that you're talking about. That's yeah. what, when I get messages here and there uh, on Instagram or if it's an email, it's someone writing out to me. What you share, I just want you to know, changed me in X, Y, and Z way. And this really gave me some light and inspiration. It's like, that's my paycheck for the day. For sure. That's my pay. I mean, it doesn't pay my mortgage, but no. it, you know, that's my paycheck for the day. And that's my why. And that's the fuel. Yeah, that's awesome. Love it. Um, can you share a little bit about the book and specifically like these five, I can't think of what to call them. The five things, that's definitely not what you call them. But like <laughs> like will and play and like those are oh, the pillars. Yeah. The pillars. The that's things. a much better word than things. Good. <laughs> those things. Uh, as part of living free, and there's two different um, definitions of it. I talk about the pillars, which you're talking about, and then also the manifesto. And the manifesto is what I go into detail. It's like my, my personal values. That's mm. what I really go into detail in the end part of the book. But as far as the pillars, it's creating the life that is based on um, intuition, intelligence, play, uh, and will. And you're jogging my memory now, and I was unprepared for this. Oh, one. I'm sorry. Well, <laughs> play, so when you're telling your story about your childhood and that, like that, you know, the inner person who you were but were stifling, you kept talking about the desire to play. And so I was like, I don't want to skip ahead, but I love that you're bringing that back into the forefront and like, you no, know, if that's who you are, it doesn't matter how old you are, like, let it be, let yeah. that come out, let that excitement and that, like that freedom to just let loose with whatever you're feeling. I, I love that. So we don't have to go through all five. Maybe it's another reason for people to check out the book, but like that stood <laughs> out to me is you're back in touch with who you really were. And it, yeah, and I when we're in a playful state, we're also more creative. We're more open to receive uh, new methodologies, new ways of thinking. Um, we're lighter as humans. Mm. There's uh, something uh, I'm very energy sensitive with people and places. Um, part of the reason that I moved to Miami, I needed that that light and that sunshine. Cause it really, the environment really affects me Yeah, and so do people and big part of the, the third uh, chapter nine is all about detoxing in your life and it's physical detox. It is, um, you know, environmental detox, it's mental detox, but it's also the people that you're allowing into your life as well yeah. and relationship detox. And the element of play going back to what you're saying is it's how important it is to let that light shine through and let yourself, there, there's a lot of things that we shut off as adults 
that we allowed ourselves to do as kids. Mm. And when we shut off who we are as thinking we need to fit into that box exactly as I thought I had to at 16, 17, it's that that lack of child that um, kind of got left behind. But she was really cool and she was really fun and I need her to come out sometimes. And I think us all as adults need that childlike play to come out. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, and there's, it's cool uh, seeing in the like startup and tech space where they're incorporating that into their whole ideas, like whether they call it play or not, but a bit of freedom that like you have your job, like Google 20%, you know, that spawn most of their really successful businesses or, or their big ones yes. like Gmail. Um, it comes from just being like, okay, forget your job for a day a week or 20% of your time. Just go work on what you want to work on. And it's still work, but like, it, it's, it's not like it, there's a sense of freedom to it. And I think recognizing that it'd be amazing if more careers allowed for that. I think we'd get much more creativity, much more creation of new, like new major solutions or ways of being that better us. Hopefully, Certainly, certainly. And it's, it's moving out of that fear state that I think a lot of people stay stagnant because they, uh, it's fear of either getting fired, mm -hmm. especially in today's society. But by not changing anything, you're going to nullify yourself. Uh, the other day I read something, 40% of jobs in the future will be eliminated due to technology. So it's whether you're evolving forward and learning something new or you're in fear and you're staying just as you are because yeah. this is who you are and this is what you were doing. But that play opens us up and it's you can be creative again and yeah. you can find new ways. Well, I think it's so interesting with that issue because that's actually nothing new. Like that has been happening as long as humans have been alive. Yes. You know, like from the earliest, like the Iron Age, like as soon as weapons and tools came out, all of a sudden you didn't need as many people to do whatever because you could do it much faster with, you know, you didn't need people to like bite through the meat. You just cut it or I don't know. I wasn't alive <laughs> then, but whatever, you know, trains, like construction, like all of it, it, it all has changed how many people are needed to do whatever task. And there's other stuff that has come to be that we need people to do. And there are different kinds of work. So it might be 40% go away, but there's other stuff that is going to come to be that we didn't even have those careers five years ago, 10 years ago. Um, and we lose sight of that because we're so focused on like, this is the 100% I know. You're chopping out 40% of it. I get it. That's tough. If you're in the 40%, absolutely, that affects you. But don't just think it's like only 60% of people can ever have a job again. Absolutely. That's the new opportunity. Choice. Yes. Yeah. 100%. Cause let me ask you, you're probably 10, you're doing this by yourself, right? Yeah. Podcast. So probably five, 10 years ago for radio broadcast, which technically was a podcast before it was a team, you know, it was a team of people doing it, but yeah. now how things evolved and it's, you know, we're, we're more educated ourselves on how to do it, newer technology, and taking advantage of it. Well, putting out a book. Like, yes, you can still <laughs> go the traditional, you know, publisher route and all that. And that's awesome if you can get into that. Um, but you don't have to. Anyone bring, can put out a book. Did you self-publish your book as well? I did. did you publish? Yep. And I did too. And it's quite a... Uh, I hope you had equally uh, a joyous experience and I hope I have your success with mine too. Uh, but I self-published as well for the yeah. same reasons. I'm like, I could, but I want to have a little more Why? I don't need to. I, I'm not using the book as a sole source of income. I right. wanted to open doors to be working in larger groups and one-on-one -on -one with people. I want it to be the key that gets me into more exactly like what I'm doing with you here. Yeah. Reach more people. Yeah. And that, I mean, it works, it works beautifully, but think about all of the messages we wouldn't have if not for that and technology and, you know, it started with Amazon, mm -hmm. the democratization of the ability to share your true thoughts. I mean, whether, whether it's publishing a book or social media or whatever, the blogging, you know, podcasts, all of it, it's not, it's not a small amount of people with huge means and armies behind them who get to tell what they're thinking. Everyone has the right to do that. Um, and I, I, publishing is, I mean, the, the fact that you can like put out a book and hold it in your hands and there's something, I mean, I remember the, the first time, uh, the drafts came, I was like, this is the coolest thing in the world. What was your reaction? Cause this is interesting. 
Well, so <laughs> she's upstairs, so I don't want her to get mad at me. My reaction was to get my wife mad at me because I, I immediately <laughs> went for my phone. I was like, I got to get a picture, like a video unboxing it because I was just so like giddy. And she's like, you're not even going to show it to me first. You're going to like make a video. And I'm like, well, I only get one chance to unbox it. But um, I just like, I, yeah, there was this moment of it being surreal because like, and I, I could never write. I wasn't a great reader. Um, so, you know, in my mind, I had myself framed as like, you're a C English student. You know, you're not like, you can't write a book. No one wants to read what you write. Um, Isn't it amazing what we tell ourselves? Yeah. So, and I'm smiling. Um, I know those who are listening can't see me smiling, but Brian, you can see me smiling. I just posted on YouTube a video of the actual, you're laughing about the video and please don't tell your wife, but we did the same <laughs> thing. Like you got to film this. And I was yeah. like, okay. So I was filming the experience, but I couldn't open it. I was like, oh, it's there on some table. I did all the design work for the book. So giving uh, my background in graphic design, I did all of the uh, format, layout, cover design, and my own personal fear, yeah. and I say this in the video reflection that I just posted, was if this is not perfect, I need to change it. And yeah. it was like this fear that it wasn't going to be okay from a design perspective, yeah. because I was also laid off from design a while ago. So it's like our own inner fears play back For in. Sure. Then I open I it that. and I was like, this is cool. No, your cover's <laughs> awesome. I love, I love, I, I mean, I should have put two and two together given your background, but yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's a great photograph, but, um, there's something about coming out of the hood that like, it, it it's awesome. I love the cover. And the cool thing yeah. with self-publishing is you can just change it. So yeah. like I, after I put out the book, there's a number of things. First of all, there's one chapter I'd never felt good about. And when I went to record the audiobook, um, I really struggled reading it. I kept messing up, which was just a sign to me like, yeah, because I don't, I don't like, I'm, I haven't put out what I need to put out here. I'm holding back and I can tell. And so of course I'm stumbling because I'm like holding something in. Yeah. So that never sat well with me. It was a chapter on parenting. And then I don't know how I missed it, but I didn't put anything in explicitly about self-love, which is honestly the most important thing I ever work with anyone on when I do any of the coaching work. Um, and I, I, like I mentioned it in passing, but like, forget passing. That's the, like, nothing else matters if you don't have that basic starting point of self-love. So screw it and just re-release the book at the one year anniversary and add the stuff I want to add and change the chapter. Like that's the right that I have as the owner of the whole thing and self-publishing, like upload the file and it's done. Certainly. Which I love that freedom. Yes. 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 When you're a free spirit like me, that was a big part of the choice. I was like, I want to work with who I want to work with. And part of the awesome part of it is being able to choose what companies I want to collaboratively uh, create something with. So recently, and I'll be, it's, it's launched now, but I'll be releasing a promo shortly. It's a cancer care package that I'm partnering with a brand in Boston, Massachusetts called Healthy Truth. And we pieced out, you know, picking out different um, health foods and superfoods to put into a basket. And it has my book in there as well. That's when I really was going through, when I was going through yeah. cancer and I'm like, there's people will say, do you need anything? Can I do anything? And you're like, yeah, you want to give me my health back? Like, that's really what I need. And while you can't offer that, you can give someone the power of giving a gift that's going to offer tidbits of help, yeah. give inspiration and hope, which is what someone needs more than anything. So being able to make those executive decisions myself to say, I want to create, and I partnered, I sent them the idea and they were like, hands down, let's do it. Yeah. So now I want to see those packages in MGH and uh, Sloan Kettering. I want to be able to see those come to life. That has to, okay. So we, we have a number of pediatric cancer cases in our community. Uh. And, um, the talking to the parents, like my wife's a, a health coach, you know, like we're both on a wellness, um, path and to hear about, you know, like one of them, it's like a 12 or 13 year old. And she got this huge display, like this huge basket of all of these dumb, dumb lollipops. And another one, like they sent all this candy cause kids love candy and they'll cheer them up. It's like, do you understand what that sugar is going to do? Like that is the absolute worst thing to send them. And Absolutely. so to, to have something that not only has that nice, like we got you a gift and we're trying to give you that, that little smile, but also this gift won't help kill you. 
um, you know, that that's win-win. Like, I love that you're yeah. doing that specifically with this like betterment in mind, because that's the last thing someone who's battling cancer should be getting. It's amazing. I'm getting chills hearing you say that because it's exactly the feeling I got when I went back for, uh, most recently my mother and I dropped off a bunch of hats to the pediatric oncology section. And there were these cute little like dinosaur and kid hats. And we stopped by in the the downstairs at, um, it's at Yale New Haven. So it's, it's called Smilo, their cancer center. They have the food court. Well, the options for food are Chinese, Italian food, pastries, and then like a little convenience section. I was like, what yeah. cancer in a, patient? In a hospital. The hospital. Yeah. There's the healthiest thing is a Nutrigrain bar, which I'm not going to even go there, the no. sugar levels that are in there. but The wrapper is pretty low in sugar, at least. <laughs> the uh, But it was amazing to me. Yeah. I'm like, how is this okay? And the last time, this part killed me, the last time I was in a checkup uh, that I went to, it was Dana-Farber, because at the time I was in Boston. And there was a child in the PD section having French fries and a hamburger. And yeah. the woman was taking my blood. With ketchup? Absolutely, with yeah. ketchup. Yeah, of course. More sugar, sugar why not? Yeah. yeah. So I said to the woman who was drawing my bloods, that's amazing that he's eating that after being through treatment. She says, well, at least he's eating something. And I was like, oh, you're killing my soul. And I was like, this is my moment to just really quiet my, my mouth because this woman didn't want to hear it. But yeah. at the same time... It gave me insight that this is a path I need to take, and this is something I need to really approach wow. head on as much as I can. So, baby steps with a cancer care package that it can start to light up uh, some eyes in the medical field, um, because I think it's something that can go hand in hand. It really is something that can. It's not never going to overpower what um, medical physicians that can offer. And I say to this day, I'm grateful to be alive, partially in a good part of it because of chemotherapy and radiation. Yeah. But at the same time, having the correct nourishment and foods can make all the difference in both recovery and also prevention. Yeah. Wow. Right, There's like a whole other episode that we can go into <laughs> on. Yeah. We you just. Uh, Care and food. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Um, I'm Follow just like, up I gotta mention you. like this diabetic <laughs> who they're giving like pudding and jello to in his meals and yes. not letting his wife bring his food that will stop, you know, spiking his insulin. Like he, he was managing through diet and now he's on insulin in the hospital because his, his blood sugar is a mess now. It's like, that's the one place where they should understand what diabetes is. But anyway, um, ways of showing love. <laughs> yeah. God. Um, Sarah, we, we're, we're totally over time and, uh, and I want to respect that. Um, you got a book to go put out, so I got to free you up, but where I have a birthday to celebrate this week. I'm 30, oh, wow. 30 35 on the 29th. Birthday. Thank you. So when this releases, I'll already be 35, but you can still send me birthday wishes at live free warrior, uh, on Instagram and on my website, livefreewarrior.com. What on the 29th? 29th. Okay. I have to November make a note. 29th. So. Because if I screw that up now, that's going to suck. Um, okay. You cool. can just rewind it. But yeah. Uh, yeah, you can find me at Live Free Warrior across all social media platforms, specifically Instagram, YouTube, and just my past website. 20,000 followers. I did. Yeah. I did. Very I cool. did. Um, and the book, where's the best place to get the book from? On your website? Grab it, grab it on. You can stop by my website, uh, livefreewarrior.com, and you'll see the links in the shop page. You can choose both soft cover and ebook editions. Um, it's going to link you directly to uh, Amazon okay. to download and, and search there too. I already built the show notes. There's a link in the show notes already. So Thank you. Good to go. Um, <laughs> This this is awesome. It's so great to hear your story. And for me, the story behind this person I've been watching and taking inspiration from, there's so much more to it. I can't wait to read the book. I'm very excited for that and, and to help support its launch. So thank you for making the time because I know it's a super busy time for you. Um, I didn't even know your birthday was looming too. That's And it's a big one. Um, so <laughs> that's you. awesome. Thank more important than anything is having the medium to share the message. So I thank you for this opportunity because it's, it's just as important to have the space too. Thank so I look that. forward to your reflections and then anyone else who's listening, I, 
really want to hear what resonates with you in the book and reflections from any pieces, parts. And of course, in the 52 tips in the end, in the workbook, that if there's parts that stand out that are helpful, I really want to hear the triumphs and also the struggles. And because it's self-published, you can always adjust it if you get some inspiration. Yeah. If, if one of those doesn't work, then just tell me and I'll change it out. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm sure it's, it's transformational stuff. So that's awesome. I'm also going to, afterward, I want to make sure I get a link to the cancer care packages because that's something people should definitely be checking out. Unfortunately, everyone knows someone going through it. Yes. So there's always someone who could benefit from getting one of those. One um, in three of us. Yes. Those, that's yeah. And getting worse. Um, Sarah, thank you so much for the time. It means it means the world to me. So thank you for for coming on today. My uh, absolute pleasure and gratitude. So, are you ready to close things out? Let's do it. All right. Today is more a new specifically, day. <laughs> more specifically, go out and do it. Nice, awesome. Thank you so much, Sarah. Thank you, Ryan. What a beautiful person Sarah is. Just amazing. Her story is seriously gripping. There's so many different aspects of the struggle, whether it's dealing with literal cancer, the alcohol issues and addiction, um, the eating disorders, you know, not just anorexia or bulimia, but both of them and the way that those continued on. And then really that struggle between who she actually is or was when she was a kid and who she thought she had to be and how disconnected they were and the feelings around that. I know that resonates with pretty much every human being because that's something so many of us go through. So I hope that that was a really inspiring and valuable interview for you guys to hear. You definitely need to check out Live Cancer Free. Remember, it's not just for people trying to avoid the illness, the disease, the, the literal thing, but more broadly than that, cancers in our life. Uh, you got to check it out. Links in the show notes, or go to livefreewarrior.com, or just go to Amazon, and you can search for Sarah no H, just S-A-R-A, and Kirikoni is Q-U-I-R-I-C-O-N-I. Um, I should have read that instead of just trying to do it like in my head, but I think I, I, think I got it right. Anyway, um, Sarah's awesome. I'm so, so thankful that she responded when I reached out. Um, you know, I'd been posting on some of her stuff, and she always liked it and would reply back, and I was like, you know what? Just go for it. And Lo and behold, she agreed. So very, very cool person. Very glad to be sharing that with all of you. And look, it's book launch time for her. So it's kind of crucial. She needs her support. So jump in, check out the book. There is so much value in it. You have to get it. And speaking of a book you should get, if you haven't read Do A Day, shameless plug for myself. But look, if this stuff resonates with you, if this stuff is valuable, that's what the book's all about. So hopefully you see a way to bring this message of inspiration, this message of better self-respect, motivation, growth into your own life. And my book can help with that as well. So check out brianfelchuk.com and get some more information on Do A Day. And of course, I say this plenty, but more of you should be doing it. Subscribe to the podcast. If you're listening, don't be a sideline listener. Subscribe, get it automatically. Stay up on all of the episodes. I've got some really powerful stuff coming for you. and please do go to iTunes and rate the show. Obviously, I'd love everyone to give it five stars, but if you have a different view and you want to share those thoughts, that's really valuable for me too. I want to hear how I can make it better. So give the show a review, subscribe. It all helps with getting the word out about the show. It helps with its ranking in iTunes. I can't tell you how much it means to me. Uh, and I do read all the feedback. I take it really seriously. So Hopefully you take a little bit of time and give me some thoughts and some love and we can grow from there. All right, everyone, I want to let Sarah's words sink in and of course, give you some time to go out and grab her book because it's awesome. And with that, today is a new day. It's your choice. That C word that Sarah talked about, that other C word is your choice to go out and do it. So please do. Take care, everyone.